Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we've been speaking this week about the difficult doctrine of the love of God. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about God's salvific love towards unbelievers, and we've spoken about the different ways that God loves this week. God has an inter-Trinitarian love. He has a providential love towards all creation. He has a salvific love towards the lost and a special love towards his elect people. And that's what we're going to look at today. And so there's a world of difference between God's universal love towards the world and his special love towards the elect. So brothers, what is the difference between these two loves of God or these two ways of God's loving people? Well, the general love of God toward the world is shown, you know, and is marked many places in Scripture. Um, one of the verses that talks about how God causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall on on the good and the evil alike. And the the problem is with us is that we don't see the blessing and the love of God all around us where it is. And therefore, in our fallenness, we tend to be very ungrateful toward God. But the fact of the matter is we're all swimming in the love of God all the time and in, in his goodness to us. And and he puts that out there uh, promiscuously, as we might say. Uh, he sheds it abroad on everyone. And Paul, even in Romans chapter 2, talks about that kind of love and also the patience of God toward uh, people who are often you know, really stinkers who really may hate God, they may do a lot of wicked things. Um, but Paul says that that's, that patience and forbearance and kindness of God is intended to actually lead people to repentance. Mm-hmm. It's not intended so they would conclude that there is no God or that he doesn't care or he doesn't see or he, he never uh, punishes unrighteousness. It's intended for them to realize, man, the kindness of God you know, and and to turn them toward God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I would uh, add an amen to that, and 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 even add that, and and obviously, as we talk, and those of us, the four of us pastors here around this table, are reformed pastors, and uh, and it's not just because we're reformed that we uh, affirm the doctrine of God's election that that God that God chooses whom He will save. Um, we don't just believe it because we're reformed, but because that's what Scripture teaches, and it teaches it very clearly. And and, and anyone who, any believer who claims to take the Bible seriously, has got to come to terms in some way with the doctrine of election. Uh, you cannot evade it. It's there in Romans nine nine and in the opening chapters of Ephesians. Uh, but I, but I would add that it, it, from what I, my observation is that even people, even Christians who get uncomfortable with the doctrine of election, you know, how could a loving God not choose everybody? Um, if, you, if you ask them about their own salvation, every believer is a Calvinist in their own experience. Because if you ask them, 
Did you come to faith because you had some special insight and because you were a good person and because you sought God and because you finally found him on your own? Is that why you're a Christian? And every single believer in my experience will say, no, he, he sought me and he softened my heart. Well, Jesus told his disciples that point blank in John 15. He says, you did not seek me, but I sought you. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe to sum up the difference between these two types of love is that God's uh, special love is what overcomes the resistance of the sinner, whereas God's common grace or his universal love, it's a real love. But apart from God doing something above and beyond that, he leaves people to their own choices right. and the consequences of those choices. That's well, right. yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and, and to say less, to say that God, God's electing love, it, 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 if, we, if we say that that's not what softened my heart mm-hmm. uh, and brought me to Christ, we're underestimating the power of sin and, and the grip that it has on us. We're, we're underestimating the nature of our rebellion against God. And, uh, the, and we're underestimating the nature of our predicament. Uh, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Uh, with the fact that, you know, the, the Apostle Paul in, in Ephesians, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. You know, that tells me, well, I, I didn't have a lot going for me that I was going to rise up from that dead position and realize my need for God and, and come to faith. Yeah. No, I, I, I needed to be given life. I needed a, a, an intervention from God, which, which quickened my dead heart yeah. and brought me to him. And the way Peter puts it is that God caused us to be born again. Yes. He right. caused us to be born again. The, the thing is, is if God in Christ simply makes salvation possible, no one will be saved. That's right. That's the tragic state. It's not because God's keeping people away. That's our tragic state in our fallenness. Uh, you, you mentioned we're dead in our sins. Um, Paul, when he's talking to Timothy, tells him, look, when you're dealing with unbelievers and those who are opposing the gospel, you know, you have to be patient and humble. And the reason is, he tells him, is because God has to grant them repentance. Mm -hmm. God has to give them the power to turn from the direction in which they're going and turn to God. And he says they have to escape the snare of the devil. Uh, They have to come to their senses they have to come out of the insanity of all their self-deceptions and all the lies they're telling themselves, and they have to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that's something we're not capable of doing in and of ourselves. Yep. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And we see how God does that in different places. You know, one place is, is in the book of Acts with the Lydia. Uh, you know, Paul's gone to a, a particular place. And we're told that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was being said by Paul. Mm-hmm. There has to he has to do that opening. We're born of him. There's a a work of regeneration so that we begin to think God's thoughts after him. I mean, we were able to track with the very things that God is saying and and we're we're convinced of the truth of those things and we're convinced that if we place our faith in him that we will be saved. Um, but but it is a work that he's done in regenerating us because yeah. our minds are at at odds with God. That's right. So I've heard it said that uh 
this whole discussion about unconditional election is really it's just an in-house debate between Christians and it, it shouldn't be preached and it shouldn't be talked about with unbelievers in our in our churches. But I don't think that this type of thinking works. Jesus Christ in John 6 openly talked about man's inability to come to God directly in front of unbelievers. He he said in John 6:44, "No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him." And then as he waxed long in his sermon, thousands started leaving Jesus at this point because they got fed up with what he was saying about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Now, if Jesus felt comfortable speaking about how God especially loves the elect, and he did this in front of unbelievers, there must be a good reason. So what are some of the benefits of speaking about this type of God, of this type of special love, God's electing love, in front of both believers and unbelievers? Well, I, I, first of all, it's true, and, and we don't... It's in the Bible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and we, we should never shy away from telling the truth, and we should never shy away from truth. And, we you know, we don't want to be... Uh, offensive, you know, and, and it's, poss- it's certainly possible just simply to be offensive because we're we're human. Uh, but don't ever be afraid of the offense of the gospel. Don't ever be afraid of the offense of telling the truth. Tell it with humility. Tell it with love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, before the gospel gives life, it, it has to crush our rebellious hearts. Right. That, that's that's where new life begins. When, when my rebellious heart is crushed and, and humbled and when I stand before God and I, can, and, and I just cry out, be merciful to me, a sinner, because my righteousness has been, exp- what I thought was my righteousness has been exposed as filthy rags. And boy, I'm, I'm sure thankful that I had Christians in my life that didn't withhold that from me. Yeah, one in the same time, we can um, be reminded what John 1, uh, 10 and 12, uh, 1, 10 and 12 says, um, or 1, 12, um, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And we have to be careful we don't make a full stop there, because the verse goes on to say, they were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, but of God. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, God is the active agent in our coming to faith in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he opens our heart as he did Lydia. You know, Saul on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians was in no way uh, preparing uh, his heart to <laughs> a preparationist with regard to, yes. he was not seeking God. God yeah. sought him out, uh, knocked him off his horse. Yeah. And, I, I, I think it's assumed today that, well, we don't. We shouldn't talk about these doctrines of unconditional election in front of non-believers because that's not very helpful. It's very shattering to their self-esteem, and it's like maybe that's what God is aiming that's at. That's what God's right. after. That's maybe right. God is aiming at us feeling, I need a savior. Yeah. I need somebody yes. outside of me to rescue me because I left to myself am lost. Yeah, our modern version of self-esteem is one of our biggest problems. I I remember uh, reading about. Uh, an international math test that was given a number of years ago, and uh, the Americans came in dead last on this test. But they also asked questions of the students, and they found that the the American students 
thought they did the best. They had the most <laughs> self-esteem, but the worst uh, worst results. And and the thing is, it the modern version of self-esteem really folds into our egos, our narcissism, our self-centeredness, our pride, our self-sufficiency. And it's real easy for people today to just assume God is just some kind of a benevolent higher power within the cosmos who's there to help you out if you need it, uh, there to be your therapist, there to help you feel good about yourself. It's just that's not the God of the Bible, and that's not the God uh, who can save people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's another reason, I think, why uh, preaching these doctrines of God's special electing love in front of both believers and non-believers is helpful. And it, it, it basically it, it is this. God's unconditional election, meaning that he doesn't look at conditions in order to elect people, is actually good news because nobody could ever say, well, God could never save a person like me because I'm not his type. Well, God doesn't have certain types to save, and nor does God look at parts of our life to whether to to accept us into his beloved or to reject us. He only saves sinners. That's the only types of people that he chooses. And so the witness of Scripture is that he has chosen all sorts of types, from sensuous, party-going Samson. So if you're a partier like Samson, he chooses people like that. If you're lying... A liar like Jacob, he chooses people like that, or beautiful, gentle Esther, or religious bigots like Saul of Tar- Tarsus. He's chosen poor and rich, respectable citizens, and despicable citizens alike. Right. And so because he said it, because he set his love upon them before the foundations of the earth, right. uh, world that they would be predestined to the adoption of sons. It says in Ephesians chapter one. That's right. That's right. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. We've been talking about the sovereignty of God and the love of God these last two weeks. If you've missed any of those broadcasts, just go to ReformationBoise.com. We've enjoyed speaking with you. By the way, thank you again, Pastor Alan Burrow, for being on the show with us. You betcha. And brothers, Jonathan and Phil, thank you so much. Hey, good. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we'll see you next time. God bless you. 